a lot of corporations, they'll throw out a game, if you will, for a prize. And that's at the very beginning of the competition to get it started. And then nobody knows anything until the end where the finalists are revealed. Well, that's like a race with blinders on, right? You don't know where you're at. You don't know where anybody else is at. But if you implement a software like Leaderboard Legends, which is coming out in a couple of weeks as well, but it dovetails on what Racing Snail does, it allows you to keep that game in front of you at all times. You'll know exactly where you're at, what you need to do in order to catch the leader. It gives you everything you need to know so you have a clear view of the entire playing field and where the finish line is. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Chris, really excited about this podcast today with Jerome Carlisle. He is one of the founders of Myvation, which has Racing Snail and Leaderboard Legends. And, you know, we had Seth, one of his partners, co-founders, come on to the podcast early on in the year, right before COVID hit. And so it was great to be able to have Jerome come on. And he's got some exciting news to share at the end of the podcast. But we really do go through several different things, one of which to me, is just the data behind the magic formula, what they call the magic formula. I loved being able to have data to support a certain philosophy or thought process. And what are the things you need to do to have a successful compensation plan? So I love that. Chris, what are a few things you picked up on? The biggest thing that I walked away with is the importance of focusing on the process. Anytime that people are thinking about setting goals and accomplishing things, they only think of the end goal, but many forget that it's what you do every single day that's going to get you to that end goal. So really paying attention to the process, sticking to it, loving it, keep going at it. It's what's actually going to get you there. So I'm really excited about our listeners checking it out and getting a ton of value out of this. So without further ado, let's get into this. Google makes it easy. Swap a card, pay for marketing. Sure, you get a few more phone calls, but they have nothing to do with your business. The truth is Google can't understand the buyer's intent. Enter Matt and Maddie Jonesa, the husband-wife duo adding intention to your online marketing game. As a State Farm agent himself, Matt built his business by maximizing the volume and quality of inbound calls. His success led to the creation of DirectClicks, a company helping insurance agents across the country grow their business through online campaigns. They focus on Google ads, so you don't have to spread your budget across the internet. With attention to detail and transparency, they provide monthly review calls, exclusivity, and the lowest cost per click. So before you swap that card, contact Matt and Maddie Jones at directclicksinc.com. Again, that's directclicksinc.com. Jerome, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be a part of it today. Absolutely, Jerome. So first we had Seth come and introduce Myvation and discuss Racing Snail and the many other products that you guys have over at Myvation. So it's extremely exciting to be chatting with you today and learn more about the exciting things that are happening at Myvation. 
there are a lot of good things coming down the pipeline. We're very excited. So, Jerome, we always like to start with just background and origin stories. So for people to get to know just a little bit about you and your background and kind of how you got to where you personally are today. So why don't you just take us back and kind of walk us through your story? Yeah, it actually just started when I was about to graduate high school. I decided I was going to go join the Army. I joined the Army and was in the Army for five years. I decided to get out and take advantage of my GI Bill, which wasn't very much at the time, but that's all right. And I ended up moving down to Tucson, Arizona. I was in Colorado when I got out of the Army, moved down to Tucson, went to the University of Arizona, and I ended up getting a degree in management information systems. I was lucky enough to get that degree the same year the internet bubble burst. So I was scrambling to find a job in my field of expertise because the market at that point was saturated with people with years and years of experience that just got laid off. So as it started turning around, all those people got jobs because they had experience. So I ended up working uh, taking a sales position for a state farm agent down in Tucson. He was a scratch agent and I worked for him for about a year. And during that time, I learned the ropes pretty well. I became an office manager. I was a top sales rep. And then a good buddy of mine that you know is Seth Preuss. I knew him back in high school. We met each other when we were 16 years old. We've been friends ever since. But he decided, unbeknownst to me, he called me and said, hey, I just took a state farm position in Phoenix. I was like, well, that's just right up the road. And I'd love to move up to Phoenix. So I decided I was going to move up and help him in his agency. And I did that for a total of eight years as a team member. So during that time, him and I kind of put our heads together with my technology background. He's got a technology background as well. And Racing Snail was born. We did it as kind of a hobby, as a game, just to see if we could do something that was kind of fun that we would use in our own agency. And it kind of blew up on us and people wanted more and more and more. And I'm like, why are we doing this for free, Seth? This is taking up a huge amount of our time. I think we may be onto something here. So we decided to incorporate and then I had to make a decision, right? Which one do I want to do? I chose this, which I think it might have been a good decision, but it lent itself to a system that is not just corporate sponsored. Sometimes you get corporate will create a software or buy a software and they manipulate it so it's top down, right? But now this one was born from the trenches up from a team member's perspective and an agency's perspective. So it has the usability and the flexibility and the robustness as to what an agent actually needs. So it's been a lot of fun. And now what are we going on now? 16 years of racing still. So it's been a fun journey. Wow. 16 years. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. 16. 16 years. Now, that's a story right there. First army, then college. You get a degree, which is that degree today is gold, by the way. Anything computer science related today, you're going to be set for life. But then you got it right when the bubble hit. So you were essentially forced to take the sales job and like ended up being a huge blessing in disguise. I mean, you built software like at the end of the day. So you did indeed end up using your degree. So that's definitely a great story and shows resilience for sure to essentially stick it out, yeah. Oh yeah, we stuck it out a long time and hopefully with this newest release that we're coming up with here in the next couple of weeks will be a 16 year overnight success. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, no big deal, you know. You know, it's funny you say that though. I heard this the other day. I mean, how many TV shows have you heard about Game of Thrones. I think Game of Thrones was on season five when I first heard about it and started watching it. And so I think that that's true. I mean, I heard this statement along with that analogy, which is stick around long enough to get noticed. And you guys have done that. And perseverance is probably one of the biggest traits to have in entrepreneurship. I think you have to. It's not an option. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And actually, speaking of just like references to sports and sticking around, 
I was listening to a podcast between Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. And Evander Holyfield started boxing when he was eight years old. And when he was asked about why he became a world champion, why he was so successful, he was like, well, I never changed my mind about wanting to become a world champion. I just didn't see any other option. I just never changed my mind. So I just really, really like that. Very simple statement. Like I never changed my mind. Very powerful. Last time that we had Seth on the podcast, he talked about intrinsic and extrinsic motivators. And I feel like today would be a great time to revisit that, especially since we are living in very different times than when Seth came on board. Yeah, definitely. And the intrinsic and extrinsic motivators actually came out of us doing some data mining out of our database of customers because the software racing snail does a number of different things. And we started doing some of the data mining and we took a closer look at it and we came up with what we call our magic formula. And we looked at people that used commissions, used individual goals, team goals, activity goals, and looked at the impact of each of those if they just used them independently and what it looked like for production, right? Did it increase production? Did we see a lift based on their usage of that component? And as we dove in deeper to those specific things, we realized that the big difference was the extrinsic versus intrinsic motivators, which really drove home to us because it wasn't necessarily the commission side of the equation that actually brought the biggest performance. It was other things like recognition and team goals, just making sure that we're contributing and we all either rise or fall with the tide, right? So when you have team goals and an office goals, everyone's contributing to a common goal, not just living on an island with their individual goals. So when we really dove into it, that's really where the intrinsic and extrinsic motivators really came forward and kind of now we're shining a spotlight on those things because it really does speak volumes on how to motivate people because there's different ways of doing that. Thank you for sharing that. One thing that I found incredibly insightful when Seth came on last time was when he talked about having team goals tends to lead to higher likelihood of people hitting individual goals because they don't want to let other people down. So it's interesting to see the type of data that you're able to find out when you are tracking things like this. What other findings have you been able to to come up with in regards to intrinsic motivators and extrinsic motivators? Well, the biggest impact on performance that we were looking at the data and, and drawing some conclusions on was a mixture of hitting on all of those different motivational factors because a lot of agents and a lot of corporations actually do this is they solely focus on spiffs or commissions, right? At the end of the year, you get a bonus for hitting X, Y, and Z, but they miss out on all those other things that really do drive performance. So as an example of our 30,000 users that we have, we started doing the data mining because again, not everybody uses 100% of what we offer in our software. They only use one component because that's what they're comfortable with. And sometimes they'll span out, but we looked at the data and like commissions, for example, only contributed about a 10% lift in performance over those that didn't actually have commission plans in place at all. Hmm. So that's the extrinsic motivator. But then if you looked at individual goals, if they just had an individual goal, well, that was a 12% lift in performance. It had nothing to do with money. It's just about accountability, mastering it. When they hit those goals, they feel better about themselves. But then team goals, to your point, 18% lift. And that is because, yeah, you're accountable, but you're not just accountable to yourself. You're accountable to other people. You don't want to let them down. You're contributing to a higher cause, if you will. You either rise or fall with the tide again, as I said previously. And then more so than just team performance goals, 
was just keeping track and holding them accountable to the things that they have to do in order to generate those end results, which is the activities. What are you doing every day to generate those results, right? Because those results don't just happen. You're doing other things. So holding them accountable to activities was the biggest impact, 30%. 30% Mm. if we just hold them accountable to activities versus the commissions, which is 10%, which is what agents spend a majority of their time on is trying to figure out what is the magic compensation plan that will actually lift our performance for the entire agency when they should be focusing in on the activities. What are you doing every single day? This is pretty fascinating to me. We've had some guest agents on, and I think it's a common thread throughout that they talk about the importance of holding their team accountable to the activities that they need to do. I mean, that in and of itself is not a new thing, but actually doing it. And then what you've been able to add is some data to back that up. To me, that's important. So it's one thing to hear from somebody else to say, hey, this is what we've done and this is how we've had these results. It's a whole nother thing to then actually have some data behind some of that. And I remember Seth talking about that last time. Just really, I can look back in my career and think about myself, about what really deeply motivates me. I mean, like deeply motivates me. And I remember specifically Seth mentioned this about people are animals in the sense that, you know, if you just dangle a carrot out there, just a hundred dollar bill, that they're just going to all of a sudden just do whatever you want them to do. I mean, people want to feel that they're getting better and that they are mastering their position. And I think that that is so true. I mean, Jerome, in your position, in Chris, in your position, in my positions, that I am more motivated about just getting better than it is about if somebody tries to dangle $500 out in front of me and says, oh, if you just do this, you get 500 bucks. It's not always about the money, but yet, especially in insurance agents, when we have sales team members and we have sales goals that we need to hit, that we sometimes feel that the intrinsic motivators can kind of be, I don't know how to say it, maybe the soft skills, maybe the softy stuff, instead of like, well, here, let me just pull up this comp plan and show that this person can make, you know, $2,000 and then that's going to motivate them. Does that make sense? It's more touchy feely from a lot of people's perspective, right? The recognition, you know, that a boy, good job. It is touchy feely, but millennials get a bad rap for this, right? That everyone feels like the millennials need to have their hand held constantly, but who doesn't like to be told that they're doing a good job? I personally love it when people look at me and say, hey, good job on this, good job on that. And to your point, money isn't, for me specifically, obviously I'm a business owner, money is a big part of it, but for me, I take it personally when someone calls and wants to cancel their subscription to our software. I take that personally. That's intrinsic, right? That's, I feel bad for that. What can we do to change your mind? So it's not always about the money. It's just, I feel good that I'm helping other agents run a more successful agency. Yeah. That's that's intrinsic. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents. So we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, Let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. So, okay, well, I want to talk about, it's kind of a two-part question. So let's kind of break it apart. 
here. So let's talk about what are some of the elements that you've seen from compensation plans or just, and maybe it's not just exactly what they load into Racing Snail, but it's just also to the conversations that you've had. I mean, you just mentioned you're talking to, I mean, over 16 years and what have you talked to? Thousands of agents, who knows? But you have probably developed, and we talked about this a little bit, Seth, but for you personally, what are some of the biggest mistakes or the elements of a poor compensation plan? And then we're going to transition into the second part of the question is, okay, here are the things like not to do with your comp plan kind of going into next year, you know, we're recording this at the beginning of December, 2020. So people are going to be preparing for 2021's compensation plans for their team, looking at revising. That's a good time to be considering that. So what are those elements of a poor comp plan? And then how can we also then say, okay, now that we know that, what are the elements of a great compensation plan, if there is even such a thing? First, it's going to be important for us to step back and really determine what a compensation plan is supposed to do. What is the meaning behind a compensation plan? And a compensation plan is supposed to influence behavior, right? So when you have a compensation plan, you need to, I always tell agents, adopt the philosophy I learned when I was in the Army. It was the KISS philosophy. Keep it simple, stupid. Because if you have too many moving parts in your compensation plan, you've defeated the purpose because they're spending more time trying to figure out all those moving parts versus what you really want them to be doing, which is selling or prospecting. So you got to keep it understandable without too many moving parts. A lot of agents, they have a year-end bonus that the company that they work for, there's all kinds of moving parts. And what they try to do is emulate that and pass that on to their team members because that's how their system works. And quite honestly, I would argue that most agents don't even understand how that year-end bonus is actually calculated. So why put your team members through that same ridiculous (laughs) calculation? That's so true. That's so true. I completely agree with that, no doubt. And then a lot of agents will also go in and just pay them a flat dollar for everything that they do. But that's not how the agents get paid. They get a percentage of the premium. And they do that specifically so that they get those higher coverages, higher liability coverages, the towing, the emergency roadside service, all that stuff adds to the premium. And when you pay a flat dollar amount, that team member all of a sudden doesn't really care if they have good underinsured and underinsured motorist coverages because they get paid the same regardless. So I always tell agents, look, pay similar to how you get paid, which is for the most part, it's a percentage of premium, but don't just base it on one line of insurance. If you want to be a well-rounded agency, you can't just sell auto. If you're a multi-line agency, you got to hit on all product lines. So you got to hit on all cylinders. So your comp plan needs to align to that where you create cross-line dependency. So yes, you get a baseline percentage for your auto commissions if you pay out on auto, but that is going to be contingent on you writing another line of insurance as well. So if you sell PNC and life, for example, your property and casualty commission structures are going to be contingent on you writing a certain amount of life insurance. So that way you're not just focusing on one thing, you're hitting on all cylinders, which helps your year end bonus. Those year end bonuses are basically how well rounded are as an agency are you? And then you get this bonus. If you're just focusing on one line and your comp plan is just focusing everything on one line, those results are going to be the same. You're going to get a lot of production in one line without those cross line dependencies that impact year end bonuses. So that's a lot of the problems that I see is they make it too complex with too many moving parts. And sometimes they make it too simplistic because that's the easiest way for them to to calculate things. You know, I'm going to pay you five bucks for every app you do. That's an easy calculation. If that's how you're going to do it, you don't need a software system to do that. You can just get a tick mark on your whiteboard in the back of the office. Yeah, I like it. All right. So keep it simple. Cross-line dependency, percentage of premium versus flat rate. Love that. Okay. So what are some additional kind of transitioning to part two of that question? What are some of the other things 
other elements of really successful plans? I mean, you mentioned, and it probably will be a repeat of kind of what we talked about earlier, but having some team component to it, the things that we just mentioned before, obviously having individual commissions, measuring activity, et cetera. Can you dig a little bit deeper into those things? Yeah. So the other key component here is depending on how large your agency is. So some agencies have a ton of people, they have multiple locations. So that dynamic will be a little bit different on how you want to put in your requirements. But let's just use a regular standard agency with five team members with one location. You have their individual requirements for them to get their baseline commissions. But as you tier it up, and maybe on the third or fourth level, if you're going to pay additional percentages on your auto and home, they also go in and put in either a team requirement or an office requirement. So now all of a sudden that individual isn't living on that island because now their individual commissions are contingent on the agency or that team hitting some specific numbers as well. So that is another key component that will ensure that you don't have silos in your agency and you're all working as a cohesive team so that you're all rising with the tide rather than just failing or succeeding as individuals. Bam, bam, bam. That's a lot of factors to think about, but I definitely do agree with the KISS acronym, you know, keep it simple. I mean, simplicity, a, a Greek philosopher said that simplicity is the highest form of sophistication. So yep. I do have a quick question and it's also going to be a two-part question similar to Bradley. And that's going to be your thoughts on the bus we're going around nowadays, which is gamification, which Seth definitely talked about last time, but also, so gamification is the beginning of the question, you know, your thoughts on it, how to implement it, how our business is doing it nowadays. And then the second part of it is, what would you say to a business owner who might be afraid to implement a system like racing sale? because they don't want to feel like they're micromanaging their people. Yeah, I don't call it micromanaging. I call it the framework for success because in any sales organization, you have a comp plan, which is is the lag measure. It's the end result of what you're doing every day. So there's a book written by Covey called The Four Disciplines of Execution, which I've read recently. It's been a long time, actually, not recently. It was about three years ago. I read this book and it talks about lead measures and lag measures. You can't just focus on the lag measures. You can't just come up with a comp plan. You got to think about what else do you need to put in place for your team members to be set up for success. So you got to align not just your commission structure. You have to align your individual production goals, your team goals, and what activities should they be doing to generate those results? Because again, production doesn't just happen. I would argue just quoting an auto or quoting a home doesn't just happen either. Other things are taking place before that actually occurs. So let's not just focus solely on the end result. We need to start focusing on what we're doing every day to generate those lag measures. And I would say quotes and production numbers are lag measures. Your lead measures are what are we doing every day to generate quotes? And if we can align those three things up, then the comp plan should just fall into place. So stop focusing solely on your end results. Let's start focusing on what we're doing every day to generate those results. Because chances are, if your production numbers aren't there, your commission numbers aren't there at the end of the month, you probably weren't doing the right amount of activities or the right activities to begin with. Yeah, we just had Dr. Brett McCabe on, high performance sports psychologist. He's worked with the University of Alabama and Coach Saban for the last several years. And obviously, I'm big Auburn guy, but still... Coach Saban talks about the process, the process. I mean, he overemphasizes the importance of the process, not playing to the scoreboard, 
you know, there's sometimes where sports and business don't really overlap. I mean, people try to apply certain sports analogies to it, but that's one that definitely does. And because that's what you're saying is that focus on what is the process that you have to go through holding people accountable to those those things. Because if you have the right process in place, you would generate the end results that you're actually looking for. That's exactly right. And then to go back to the gamification part that you're just talking about, most business owners, agencies, corporations, they do some form of gamification. They just don't do it very well. The thing about a game is you need to understand what the playing field is, how long the game, what's the finish line, where are we today in the race versus the three quarters of the way through the race. A lot of corporations, they'll throw out a game, if you will, for a prize. And that's at the very beginning of the competition to get it started. And then nobody knows anything until the end where the finalists are revealed. Well, that's like a race with blinders on, right? You don't know where you're at. You don't know where anybody else is at. But if you implement a software like Leaderboard Legends, which is coming out in a couple of weeks as well, but it dovetails on what Racing Snail does, it allows you to keep that game in front of you at all times. You'll know exactly where you're at, what you need to do in order to catch the leader. It gives you everything you need to know. So you have a clear view of the entire playing field and where the finish line is. So most people are already doing it. They're just not doing it very well. And just one last thought that I want to give about micromanagement and just to piggyback on what you said earlier, I think micromanagement has kind of like a bad rep, but like one of the biggest micromanagers that ever existed actually changed computers and phones and pretty much everything that we use today, which is Steve Jobs. He was like the biggest micromanager to say the least. And another thing I would say is like, if you care about your employees, you have to be doing some sort of micromanagement because you want them to be top performers. And when people think of top performers, like you're saying, they only think of like the score. They only think of the money. They only think of the end goal, but the behaviors that they do every single day is what's going to actually get them to whatever goal they have. So if you, the business owner, if you, the manager care about your employees and you want them to succeed, you have to be keeping track of their behaviors because once again, behaviors, process, process leads to outcome. Yeah, I tell a lot of agents before they even come up with their production comp plan for a brand new team member, rather than paying them on their output, let's go back to those processes and pay them on the activities. So every outbound call you make, you're going to get a dollar. Every quote, you get $2. So focus on the activities and what the importance of that is before you transition them into a compensation structure that pays them on their output. Because if you do that at the very beginning, they're going to understand the importance of those activities. Everything starts with those activities. If you're not doing the activities, the end results aren't going to be there. It's not going to matter. Okay. So I have a question about this that I'm genuinely curious about is can you go too far to where you overemphasize the activities and don't oh, and don't emphasize the results. Absolutely. Like I've seen that before too, to where it's like, oh, well, we're just paying out X all of this money to calls. Hell, it's not going anywhere. I mean, we're not getting anything done. So I'm paying for calls, I'm paying for quotes. And, you know, quite frankly, they're just not good enough. And so now you've got this, it's tilted the other way. I mean, that can happen, right? It can happen, absolutely. But that's where you need to, I wouldn't say micromanage, that's where you need to be a manager. You need to be a business owner and take a look at those things. And with Racing Snail, you'll be able to go and see and run some analytics. We call it the vital stats report where you can see, all right, in order to get a quote, you need to make for you specifically, you have to make 45 outbound phone calls and then you'll get a quote. 
if you quote five quotes, five autos at some point, that's what you're going to actually end up selling. You'll sell one auto. So we actually give you those results. So if those ratios are way out of whack, you need to sit down and maybe you've got to do some role playing. You got to do some more training, product knowledge, that kind of stuff. But it really gives you the information that you need to understand in your agency before you can get to there. The other thing, to your point on the activities, I've seen some agents track 20 different types of activities for a team member. Well, at that point, you might as well track the tracker to see what the impact of that is, <laughs> right? So again, keep it simple, stupid. In the book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, he calls it the wildly important goals. So pick three to four important activities that you want them to do, and that's what you focus in on. If you have too many, like I said, might as well track the tracker because it's just too much. Quite frankly, this takes me off to ask this question, but I feel like I have to ask it. We're in December. I mean, quarantine started in damn March. And so I was hoping I would be done talking about COVID and just lockdown and working from home. But the reality is I was looking at some of our analytics on our podcast. We have listeners in all 50 states. And so the reality is people are dealing with, even still today, they're dealing with, and maybe by the time they listen to this podcast, they're still dealing with having to work from home. The team is not in person. And so therefore that's affecting some of those kind of intrinsic, extrinsic motivators. You kind of alluded to this earlier, at least when we were talking about it. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about how some of this applies and maybe what you've even seen in 2020 with more and more people in insurance agencies working from home. Yeah. At the beginning in March, we got a lot of people calling in to cancel their subscription because they were freaking out and they quickly realized, no, this is exactly the opposite of what I need to do. I need a software like Racing Sale because this COVID-19 working remote, it brought a lot of challenges that nobody really expected or even thought about. Previously, when we were all working in the office, you'd have the luxury of just turning around and seeing Joe over there sitting at his desk and it was just assumed he was working. Well, when you're working remote, you don't have that luxury anymore. So how do you know that those other people are actually working? Well, with Racing Sale, you have a real-time dashboard that updates as data is being put into the system, and you'll see exactly what activities they're doing, how many quotes have they done, what their production numbers are for that day. And it displays it and gives them that transparency that they otherwise wouldn't have working remote unless they're actually on the phone talking to everybody and knowing what's going on. So there's a lot of challenges that we were able to overcome just by showcasing some of the things that they've already had. And that's a big selling point for people right now is that they are still working with remote employees. And that's where Racing Cell can bridge that gap. Well, it's 16 years of feedback, four years in the making of this newest release. I tell you, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't go ahead and talk about, I mean, you guys got some really exciting news that are coming out with Myvation, the company and Racing Snow. And I don't want to steal your thunder, but why don't you just go ahead and talk to our listeners about exactly the latest version, latest technology that's coming out with you guys. This started, believe it or not, as an Excel file. It was an incredibly sophisticated Excel file. Back in the day, we actually maxed out Excel. We ran out of cells. We had 48 different Excel documents all linked to one another that with macros and all kinds of crazy stuff. But it morphed then we went into the web-based version, which is what we have right now. And that's been about six years. So we've got a lot of feedback from a number of different agencies, from a number of different organizations. We work with 14 different organizations. So it's not just one carrier, it's multiple carriers. We've branched out substantially and it's not just insurance. We're trying to become more agnostic and branch out a little bit, but obviously our bread and butter is the insurance industry. 
But the new version that we're rolling out is going to be in the latest technology. It'll be mobile friendly. It's a much more simplistic design and more intuitive and user friendly. And right now we handhold a lot of our customers through the onboarding process and help them build compensation plans and all that stuff. This new version, we've built it in such a way that most agents should be able to pick it up on their own without any onboarding at all. So it's a much more scalable solution. It's going to be a lot easier and more intuitive for agents to get in there and actually play with it. Because, you know, let's face it, most agents to be successful, I always joke with them, but they're a little ADD. You have to be a little bit ADD to be a successful agent, but they just don't have the attention span to figure out and sit down and learn how to do a software. But with this latest version of Racing Snail, I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. It's in beta right now. It's been in beta for about two months. It's been in development for four years. So we've been very methodical with this release and spent a lot of time making sure that everything was just right. And we've done a lot of beta testing, got a lot of feedback, obviously a lot of feedback over the last 14 years. We've taken all that and designed this new software to accommodate all those different suggestions. So that's going to be released in about a week and a half is what we're shooting for. So we're really excited for that. And then close on its heels, Leaderboard Legends will be released to captive agencies. It's been on the market for about a year and a half. We had a Forbes article last year about it. That's the gamification piece, but that'll be rolled out hopefully in the next two weeks as well. So a lot of exciting stuff. So depending on when you're listening to this, we're looking at probably mid-December, the first couple of weeks or so when this podcast is going to be released. And so if you're listening to us, obviously in 2021 to this episode, obviously you'll be able to go ahead and pick up that latest version. Right before we transition out, Jerome, I'm going to let you share with people exactly how they can find out more about this latest version, the technology, how to get in touch with you guys. And obviously, you guys have even put together some resources so people can actually take a look at what is the new version and what's some screenshots and things like that. So I think that's going to be great. We'll make sure that we have the links in our episode notes. And obviously, if you're getting our emails, if you're not getting our emails, go to club.capital forward slash podcast and subscribe to our emails that every time we get a podcast out. So we'll make sure we put the links in to all of that. Jerome, I know that's really exciting for you guys to get to this point finally. I'm, I'm sure it's been a lot in the making behind the scenes to pull something like this off and migrate from one system to the next system. So I know personally a lot of people that use Racing Snail and love it, and they have been really excited. In fact, I had some people in a study group reach out to me that said, hey man, listen, you got Jerome coming on. Listen, but tell him we're ready for this rollout. They're excited about it. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. It's perseverance, as you said earlier, right? You have to persevere. You have to have patience. There's a lot of challenges that go along the way. We get a lot of feedback. It's like everyone has their own opinion, just like everybody has their own belly button, right? They're all different. (laughs) So trying to take all that feedback and actually design a software system that would accommodate and make a majority of those people happy. There's going to be people that aren't going to be happy with some of the things that we've made changes for. But overall, I think it's going to be a huge resounding success. We've had a lot of feedback from our beta agents. All of our current clients have limited access to it right now, and we've got nothing but positive feedback so far. That's great. Before we transition into the world famous Enon, is drum, is there anything that we didn't cover that we need to? Yeah, last thing I wanted to just point out is on the increase in performance, the magic formula, the last stat that I want to share with you is when people do a combination of all those things, when they have a commission plan that's somewhat simplistic, they have individual goals, team goals, and activity goals, our users, if they did all of those, they averaged 43% higher performance than those that did not, 43%. That's huge. I mean, who doesn't want 43% increase in performance going into next year, right? I mean, 
That's awesome. And doing this, some of the stuff that most agents are probably already doing to some degree, but they're doing it on Excel spreadsheets, whiteboards, numerous different reports. But this is one seamless software that actually puts it all together for them. Imagine how much time they'll be saving by just putting it all in one place. It's tremendous, a lot. I think I ran the numbers for most agents. They just need to write 10 additional households per year to pay for the software. So it's not very hard to get 10 additional households out of an agency just by streamlining because you're going to save so much time just running commission checks every month. Some agents spend days going back and reconciling and figuring all that out. With racing sales, you can actually set it up on autopilot. You just have it automatically run. It sends you a report and you're done. We cannot end the podcast without mentioning that Club Capital members will actually receive a 5% discount from Club Capital Services as well as Racing Snail if they are both a member of Racing Snail and Club Capital. So once again, if you have Racing Snail and you want to get Club Capital, then you get 5% from both services off. It's a tremendous value. Tremendous. And who doesn't want to optimize their finances and their productivity? I don't know one person. All right, world-famous Ina and Jerome, you ready for this? Get on the hot seat. I'll try. Last book that you read. Last book that I read was Inflection Point by Troy Corsgarden, actually. He sent me a signed copy. It was a very, very good book. Loved it. And I've got another one on my desk that I got to read, which is The Four Agreements. So I'm looking forward to that one. What about your favorite TV show as a kid? Oh, man, there's so many. I think Different Strokes, What You Talking About Willis, was probably one of my favorites as a child. I just aged myself, probably. If there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play in that movie? Play you in that movie and why? Oh, wow. Chewbacca. Uh, (laughs) The world of 2020. Chewbacca is, uh, he's lovable. You can't really understand him. And that's what a lot of people say about me. I talk really, really fast. They don't understand me. I don't have any hair. That's why I'd want Chewbacca because he's got the locks of just amazing. And I love Star Wars. What's your ideal environment for concentrating and creating? A daily walk, actually. I go on a walk every night at eight o'clock after dinner before I go to bed and I go on a two mile walk. It takes me about a half an hour, but that's where I do most of my thinking and brainstorming. It's quiet. I don't have my kids or my wife asking me questions. I don't have the distractions of electronics. I just go on a walk. It's nice and peaceful. That's where I do most of my good thinking. Very good. Powerful. I love this question. We've used it now for the last several podcasts, but you're on a 10 hour flight whenever we can do that again. Who would you most like to sit next to on that flight and why? Oh, wow. That's a good one. That's a long flight, too. You know what? I would probably want to sit down with Buffett. I'd love to be able to pick his brain in 10 hours. I don't know if that would be enough time to get all that knowledge, but I think that would be the out of the gates. There's a bunch of them on my list, but I would say Buffett would be the one that I would want. I'd want to have a conversation with. Yeah, I cannot wait for Elon Musk to do that, to come up with Neuralink so that I can just download his brain and put it into databases and databases just to be become half as smart as him. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Sushi, fish, Ooh. fish, fish or potatoes? Because French fries, I don't, you could do a lot with a potato, but fish is, I just love sushi and fish. Not just because of COVID, but you're a leader yourself. So what is the biggest change that you've seen in your leadership over the past year? You know, I've had a unique position where I've been working remote for quite some time, for six years. I work remote when I'm not traveling. I go up to the office in Washington and visit every couple of weeks. So for me, it wasn't as big of a switch, but for everyone else, we have a group of people that absolutely love working from home, don't want to go back to the office, and the others that absolutely need to have that contact and want to be in the office. From a leadership perspective, I think the biggest challenge was 
not having that transparency. So now there just seems to be days filled with endless meetings. And we're trying to get that under control because it's just too many meetings. If they were working sessions, it would be a different story, but we're just talking about the work that we need to do. And then by the end of the day, you have to spend the next six hours at night doing the work that you talked about all day long. So that's the challenge is balancing the communication aspect and the transparency aspect with the work-life balance. 10 years ago, I had no idea that this fill in the blank would be this hard. When we first started, it was just me and my business partner working out of our garage. It was just two of us. In the military, I had a small squadron. I was a sergeant and I had a couple people. But 10 years ago, I had no idea the hardest part about running a company would be the employees. There's a lot more overhead when you have more employees. You get over to like the 15 to 20 employee position. I had no idea how difficult that was going to be, not just because that it's they're a pain or they're difficult. It's just there's a lot of questions and there's so many of them and there's so many nuances. So that was something that I didn't even fathom 10 years ago on how difficult that would be. All right. Last question. You've done well. It is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast after all. So what is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? Best piece of leadership advice I've ever received was to listen. Listen to everyone around you from their perspective. Don't draw a line in the sand. Always be flexible, but listening is the key. If you're not listening, then you're just speaking from a bullhorn. You need to listen and then react to what you're hearing and pivot quickly. Jerome, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. We're really excited about the latest version coming out with Racing Snail. Really excited about what's coming on with Leaderboard Legends. People are going to want to find out more about how they can get a demo, be able to get in touch with you guys, be able to learn more about it. What is the best place for them to do? What's the best thing for them to do? What's the best place for them to go? And obviously, we'll put this in the show notes. Uh, The web address, which will be in that uh, link, but the web address is myvation.com. You can learn about Racing Snail as well as Leaderboard Legends. You can also request a demo and you'll have a one-on-one demo with one of my sales reps or even myself if you'd like. And we'll walk you through the entire process specific to your organization. So it's branded and customized for each organization that we work with. So when we do that, we'll be speaking your language. But visit the website, fill in the demo request form or the contact us form or give us a call. Happy to sit down with you and go through the whole entire suite of products and how it can benefit your agencies. Jerome, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on. I love entrepreneurs. I love technology. I love tech entrepreneurs. You feel like you check all those boxes. So it's been a pleasure speaking with you and I look forward to having you in the future as well. Devin, Chris, I really appreciate the opportunity. It was a pleasure as well. And looking forward to doing this again in the future. All right. Thanks, Jerome. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bradley, that was awesome. Like I said, towards the end, speaking with Jerome just lit off a lot of lights for me. I mean, first of all, he's a tech entrepreneur and with Myvation, they are legitimately improving the performance of the average insurance agency by keeping track of their behaviors, by truly focusing on the process and being data-driven about it. And one thing that I wanna make sure that our listeners walk away with is also not being afraid to track behavior, not to remove the stigma that comes out of that to stop fearing being a micromanager and realize that you have to actually manage your employees, your team members, because you care about them. You care about their performance. Nobody comes to your agency to just take home base pay. You want them to be top performers and you become a top performer by sticking to the process, doing the behaviors that are going to get you to the big goals that you have. So with that being said, what's something that you walked away with, Bradley? Well, I mentioned this in the intro. 
I love the data behind the magic formula. I mean, to be able to get a 43% increase in performance, what are the things you need to do? They need to be paid on commissions, individual targets, team bonus, and then making sure that you're measuring and rewarding based on activity. I think that was number one. Number two, I just like the fact that he was able to say, hey, listen, keep it simple. In all the businesses that we kind of sit in our big chair and we drum up what we think is going to be this elaborate compensation plan that hits all of these things. And the best ones are the simplest ones. And that even of itself seems so simple to have a simple comp plan. But I think over time, we kind of drift. We drift towards more complicated comp plans. I love the fact he talked about cross on the dependency percentage of premium instead of flat rate. I mean, those are some very tactical things to make sure that in your compensation plan, in your agency, that you're either doing or obviously not doing, in some cases, not making it complicated. We did talk about, and I mentioned it in there, that it stinks to have to talk about it, but just how important it is to have a system like Racing Snail in your agency whenever you're managing people that are working remotely. I mean, with COVID going on, more people are working from home, but I have a feeling that more and more people are going to be working from home. You're going to have more remote workers moving forward, even whatever it's going to take a vaccine or whatever it is to be able to get more people in the office. So I think that that's going to be more of a common thing. And so having a system that where you can manage those people from your phone, wherever you are or wherever they are, I think is obviously going to be more and more important. So if you're interested in the new version of Racing Snail and you're interested in taking a look at what leaderboard legends could also do in your business, we're going to put the link in the show notes. So if you're listening to us on Spotify, you're listening to us on Apple iTunes, make sure you click on that link, book a call with them at Racing Snail. If you used their system in the past, maybe several years ago, it's really worth taking another look at what Racing Snail could do for your business, especially if you're running it off of, say, Excel spreadsheets. I mean, there's a time and a place for Excel spreadsheets, but trying to run the business end of your business is not one of them. Also want to give a shout out, as always, to our friends, Matt and Matty Jonesa at DirectClicks, directclicksinc.com, directclicksinc.com. Reach out to them. See what they can help you with your Google pay-per-click. And really, Google continues to do some updates. And so who do you have in your corner that's helping you and your business stay on top of your Google pay-per-click advertising? There's nobody better in the business that knows how Google works, whether it's for pay-per-click or SEO than Matt and Maddie Jones. Reach out to them. See how they can help you in your business. And just would like to give a shout out to all of our listeners, specifically to one, uh, give a shout out to somebody who left a review on Apple iTunes. Who Dat Nation says, this is the go-to podcast for new and pragmatic ideas. Thank you, Who Dat Nation. And so if you're listening to this, would you do two things for us? Would you share this podcast with somebody else? And would you like and review us on Apple iTunes? That really does help us to continue to get more and more guests. Going into 2021, the lineup of guests we've had, we've been so fortunate to have some amazing guests in 2020. And I just want to personally reach out and say thank you to all the guests that we've had, not just Jerome, but so many. And the podcast has grown more than what we would have ever thought it was going to. And the lineup of guests that we've got coming up, the people we've been able to reach coming into next year is incredible, just absolutely incredible. And so if there's some guests that you would love for us to reach out to and talk to, shoot us a message. Reach out to myself, Bradley at club.capital or Chris, Chris at club.capital and let us know who you would like to hear on the podcast so we can help you grow your business, grow your leadership and grow and develop your team. 
All right, Chris, until next time, lead well. And stay classy. Classy.